The following program was made possible by Ward's lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. And the following very timely math lesson for everyone in Kawartha Lakes, including grade 9 students streamed or otherwise, is brought to you by The Advocate Podcast. Math problem number one. Two meters is equal to, well, let me just use this, six feet, nine inches. Yeah, that sounds about right. Math problem number two. Denis is alone in his backyard. New rules allow for physical distance gatherings of 10 people. How many friends can Denis invite over for a bonfire, provided the city of Kawartha Lakes has lifted the fire ban? Now let's see here. Carry the four and the remainder, nine? Yeah, the correct answer is nine. Problem number three. Explain using the theorem of your choice the properties of physical distancing. All right, near. Here. Last question. Denis has 26 close friends and one bubble. Denis would like some friends to join his bubble. Only 10 are allowed in the bubble. But the nine friends Denis chooses are often outside the bubble. If the two bubbles are traveling toward each other at two meters per second or six feet nine inches and all the bubbles include hugging and, and the bubble encounters an outdoor gathering of 100 people or an indoor gathering of 50. And if there are two performance stages, when, when will... I just need to breathe. You know what? I'll just wake up early and, and finish my homework then. That always worked in high school. Right now, I have a program to host. You know, I've been in the business for 35 years, and I can't recall a time that's been more stressful for, for frontline health care workers. Not only paramedics, but all frontline health care workers. That's Andrew Rafton, Chief of Kawartha Paramedic Service. You'll hear my conversation with Andrew about how the pandemic has affected the city and his team, how they continue to respond, and what lies ahead. We've featured music from Cassie Noble on past episodes. Well, some more Cassie Noble music, but also Cassie in conversation from her backyard near Cameron. Nancy Payne crosses the hall into our podcast studio to tell us about her Staycation Part 2, which will also be in the August issue of The Advocate magazine. And Advocate magazine publisher Roderick Benz now has an additional gig, president of the Lindsay and District Chamber of Commerce. I sit down with Roderick to hear about that new role. My name is Denny Grignot, and this is The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. Big week, eh? Stage three of opening set for this Friday in our area. Restaurants available for indoor service, gyms, movie theaters, now welcoming visitors. But in the backdrop of all of this, masking rules in Kawartha Lakes as of this past Monday. Argue all you want about whether covering your mouth and nose is a necessary thing when inside a store or business. But like it or not, it is now a legal thing and also the right thing. I was actually comforted to see virtually everyone following the rules at at least one grocery store in Kawartha Lakes, but the fellow working alone inside this business I entered, he said his customers in masks was about 50-50 well, by midday. At the end of day one of this new rule, I spoke to Kathy Puffer, owner of Remedies Rx in downtown Lindsay. I would say 99% of the people had masks and were well aware of the new requirement. I had one or two that didn't have it and they left um, and came back with a bandana or something on. So I think overall it went really, really well. 
what was the last day of the store being open before today? I'm just wondering how many people were wearing masks then. Last week, I would say it was around 60% people wearing masks. Are you surprised that it jumped up to 99%? I am. I am. I, I thought we'd have to tell a lot more people, you know, that they had to have masks. Okay, well, those people that you had to tell, that 1%, how was that conversation? Um, some of them said they knew about it, but they didn't have a mask. Um, and a couple said they didn't know anything about it. So I guess that's reasonable. They maybe don't listen to anything. <laughs> I can't imagine not listening to any news, but... How did you placate them? Did they? Did you ask them to leave the store and come back with one, or...? Well, we have some disposable masks that we're selling at a reasonable cost. So a couple of people bought them and just put it on. Um, and a, one lady didn't have one and had one at home, didn't want to buy one. She just put a scarf over her face. So that worked. Kept telling my staff that, you know, it's every all retail stores. So we're not alone. And it's not our rule. So, you know, if anyone's giving us a hard time, it's, there's it's not like there's another pharmacy they can go to that they don't have to wear a mask. So, you know, I tried to just play up that with my staff, but I was a little bit apprehensive that people would be angry with us because I've seen other places complaining about that, that patients and customers are getting angry at the cashiers and stuff. I have not encountered that at all. My patients have been just amazing. Given that you are a pharmacy, I'm guessing a lot of people who go in there may have like respiratory asthma uh, problems. Um, how how conscious are you of those people who might say, well, I'm opting out because I have this reason? Yeah, uh, I was expecting some people to say that. And actually, uh, several of my patients who are quite bad, quite severe asthmatics uh, were wearing masks and they're quite happy to wear them. If they aren't comfortable, they don't have to. And, and I'm quite aware of that and we will certainly let people do that um, we've put up plexiglass shields and stuff so we're I feel we're well protected even if someone doesn't have a mask on I, I wish this mask thing had come in a long time ago <laughs> hopefully it'll help reduce the curve and we don't get a huge second wave this was day one what do you think day 20 or day 25 would be like <laughs> I think people We'll get used to it and you know we, when you look at other cultures that every time someone has a cold or any kind of respiratory virus they put on a mask to protect others and you know we just kind of laughed at that in the past but maybe we will start to adopt that here now my name is linda williams from wards lawyers and lindsay your official sponsor of the advocate podcast stories from kortha lakes Seems like a lifetime ago for some of us, well, most of us maybe, before all of this brought so much to a halt. I remember when it started to sink in that this might not be a short blip in our lives. It was at an Optimist Club meeting back in February when most of us at that meeting were thinking, yeah, maybe we just won't shake hands until, you know, all this is over, which won't be all that long from now, right? But Andrew Rafton was saying with a sigh, it's coming and it's going to be big. Andrew Rafton is chief of Kawartha Lakes Paramedic Service. He and other first responders knew before the rest of us did. They, they had to. They were also bracing themselves for how they and their jobs, their jobs of keeping us safe, were going to be affected. 
I met with Andrew Rafton at his office in Lindsay and asked him what those very early days were like for him and his team. I mean, it was an ominous time because certainly in my generation, we've been through this before to a lesser degree. We knew with SARS that there would be another virus down the road. It, it was a very rapidly evolving um, situation. I can remember being away in early March skiing with my son at Blue Mountain for a few days and literally coming back to work on Wednesday and the discussion starting about we need to shut down. It, it happened very, very quickly, and one thing led to another. Uh, it, it's changing literally by the hour and by the day, and that's been one of the biggest challenges that we faced. Um, How do you deal with that? Because it's nice to have clear-cut answers, and, and for those of us not in that circle, we think science is like math. Carry the four, boom, you have an answer. But that's really not the case no. here. So what's it like for you and your team to deal with, with that uh, uncertainty? And that's a huge challenge, right? Because we like to think that uh, it's, you know, our, our line of work is black and white. So it's been a huge learning curve. And we've certainly learned lots of lessons going forward. And, I'm, and I know we'll, prepared, we'll be prepared a lot more for the next virus that will be coming down the road. Pandemic supplies, right? Um, we had no idea of, of the volume of personal protective equipment that we were going to require, and not only locally, but provincially and nationally and worldwide. Uh, you know, it's been a that's probably been the biggest challenge in our line of work is, is trying to procure, you know, the amount of, of personal protective equipment we require for our frontline staff to keep them safe. What and was that like, just dealing with that? Then knowing that it was just a constant chase yeah. for the you're shaking yeah. your head already. Yeah. It was. Yeah, the, the early days, it was it was pandemonium, and there was a lot of very stressful nights and sleepless nights as we tried to procure this equipment. We have three people that work around the clock trying to, you know, contact vendors and trying to procure this equipment um, locally. Um, it, it's getting better. We're, we're very lucky that we've been able to partner with our local hospital, the Ross Memorial, and they, as well, were in the same boat. They were, um, you know, scouring worldwide, and they were very generous in sharing. Uh, anytime they got a lead on equipment, they would call us up and say, you know, we found some gowns in Paraguay. You know, are you interested? And uh, so it's, we've uh, um, developed a lot of great partnerships within the community. You know, you, you want to think about good things that have come out of a bad situation, and certainly that's one of them. Is, is the, the you know the, the the partnerships that we've been able to create, the outpouring of support that we we received in the early days. Uh, we went to social media very early on, um, letting the public know that that we had needs as far as personal protective equipment, and we were willing to take donations of any sort. And in those early days, our doors were always open, and the, and the public was coming in, streaming in. Did with, that surprise you? With, um, it shouldn't, it should, you know, we're coming from a small community. I shouldn't be surprised because that's what happens. I know in talking to, you know, fellow chiefs in larger urban settings, I wasn't hearing necessarily, you know, that sort of response. There probably hasn't been a time that's been more stressful. You know, I've been in the business for 35 years, and I can't recall a time that's been more stressful for, for frontline health care workers, not only paramedics, but all frontline health care workers. Every call they go into, they could be possibly exposed to the COVID virus. And you know, then they have the, you know, the knowledge that they could be taking that home with them you know, to their family and their kids. 
Uh, we've been very fortunate. Um, outside of one individual, we've only had one uh, staff member who tested positive for COVID, which for the size of our staff is remarkable. In the early days, our call volume was down almost 40%. There was a lot of people out there who were very skeptical or nervous about calling for an ambulance. They didn't want to go to the emergency department. So there were a lot of people in the early days that were at home suffering in silence. And now we're seeing a result of that. We're seeing a lot of very sick people um, that are now having to call us that probably should have called us a while ago, but are now coming to hospital um, very sick. Mm -hmm. So we are now seeing our, our regular non-COVID call volume coming back up to normal levels. And certainly with uh, the start of you know, tourism season here in Corth Lakes, we're starting to see those numbers come back up to normal. So we're, we're starting to see a surge now in our, in, our, in our call volume, both regular and COVID related. I just wonder if just having those calls, those numbers back to where they are, is that helping just with your team and establishing a bit of normalcy as opposed to just sitting behind a desk going, this is awful, but nobody's calling when they should be. Yeah, I, I don't think um, normalcy, I don't know if we'll ever return to that sort of level. Certainly we're in a better position now to deal with those higher call volumes. We're getting a much more a better handle on it operationally. Our PPE supplies are, are at a stable level. Um, staff are becoming more customized now to um, how to carry out a call. We uh, uh, mandate now that paramedics on all calls, whether they're going for a, a fractured ankle or they're going to somebody with shortness of breath, they wear full PPE or personal protective equipment on every call. What was it like responding to a call and knowing that maybe some of those clients were a bit guarded in the information. I'm, I'm thinking of that person who maybe was in Florida and is not really divulging that information or was south of the border or maybe didn't quarantine as long. What was that? I just wonder if that was a bit of a shell game where you're trying to pull information from these guarded people. Well, it caused a lot of anxiety to our crews. In the early days, there were no doubt that we had people that were not being completely truthful because they were worried that perhaps they wouldn't receive the care um, that they needed. And they had but to become a bit of an investigator too, I imagine, kind of prying and trying to get that information out of them. Certainly, and then that's, that's part of a paramedic's job to begin with, right, is the, you know, that investigative ability to try and root out you know, the, you know, the problem and, and get, get all of the factors in place. But it's, it's been a challenge. It's, it's getting better now. I think the public is much more aware um, we've done a good uh, job at messaging out to the public that, you know, we will respond to you regardless of, of any answers you provide. We're there to care for you. We just need to know and take the necessary precautions to keep everyone safe, to keep you safe, to keep our paramedics safe, you know, to keep the hospital staff safe when we arrive with you at the hospital. What do you think this conversation is going to be like a year from now? Where do you think we'll be? I think we're heading in the right direction. Um, I certainly think that now is not the time to become complacent. I don't believe that this virus is going to go away anytime soon, but we are learning to manage it. The Advocate Podcast is available for free on Spotify and at Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe for free. No salesperson will hound you, promise. Be sure to spread the word about us via social media and, well, just screaming outside your window if you like. We are sponsored by Ward's Lawyers. Find them and learn what they can do for you at wardlegal.ca. Hey, just because you can't easily get on a plane don't mean you can't still enjoy a vacation, huh? 
Nancy Payne has been staycationing right here in Kawartha Lakes. She joins me now in our podcast studio across the hall from her office. Okay, Nancy, where did you uh, where did your travels take you this time? This time I focused more on around Bob Cajun, Omimi, down to the um, well-known Trestle Bridge on Kawartha Rail Trail. But oh, I've yet- been by there on my bicycle many times. Yeah. Oh, incredibly yeah. beautiful spot. But yesterday I focused, it'll all be in the article, but yesterday I really went to um, uh, specifically the Bob Cajun area and uh, just uh, around there and kind of three categories really of places places i've driven by a million times and never gotten gone in and i think a lot of us have done that with a lot of local places so there were those there were the places i've been to but maybe not for a long time and then a few places that were brand new to me it was a lot of fun it's so much fun uh approaching our area that we're so familiar with as if you're a tourist um so the first kind the ones that um I've driven by a million times. The highlight there was definitely a spot called Anna's Perennials, uh, just south of Bob Cajun. And she has these amazing gardens. And you're welcome just to go in and look around. Everything from like a desert setting that I grew actual cacti through to like these beautiful, cool woodland areas. And she sells, I think she said 99% of what she sells, she grows herself. It's beautiful. You could just walk around and have a lovely visit. So and that she's was, cool with that, just kind of turning it into a little yeah. uh, like a little park that you want to visit. Absolutely. And then, uh, so that was a ton of fun. That was on the way to Bob Cajun. And then uh, I went, well, maybe the highlight in Bob Cajun was probably Kawartha Settlers Village, um, which a lot of people may have heard of. I have to be honest, the past few years when I've gone there, it's mostly been for special events. And it was so great just to go and wander around. It's very easy to uh, just take your time and it's cool and breezy. And actually look at the exhibits instead of going for an event or a show or something, but actually take it in for what it was intended. Yeah, I'd forgotten how great it is. And I I spoke to uh, the person on the gate. I'll just play you a little bit of what she had to say. Maureen Lytle, I'm the general manager of Quartha Settlers Village in Bob Cajun. We have some new displays this year, and it is our 30th anniversary, so the Muir House is set up in uh, the evolution of the village of where it started from the founders. Lots to see and do here, and you can space yourself out and stay away from as many people as you want. I'm guessing that a lot of locals would kind of say, oh yeah, Settlers Village, I I should go there sometime. Uh, Do you get that? Uh, Yes, we find that. Even when I mention where I work, they go, oh, where is that? And they live in Bob Cajun. They don't know it's here. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to see in your own area. And as you say, when you live here, you sort of just go from work and home and you sort of get everything around you. But there's tons to do in the city courts of lakes. There's no need to be bored, that's for sure. I like the way she approached that because it was um, polite but still kind of firm in that you know what? There's lots here you can visit. It's like just kind of nudging us. Come on, you know, get out, get off your chair and come and visit. Exactly. And I think it's easy to see it as some kind of consolation prize because other summer plans can't go ahead. But I'm having so much fun exploring, like I say, with a totally new eye. But just before we wrap up, um, I think I mentioned a third category, which was a few places I discovered that were brand new to me. Well, you and I discovered the Bob Cajun Wilderness Trail Mm -hmm. just outside the village, which is a pretty little spot. Um, And I just have, uh, I'm going to share something with you about the last place I want to mention that I actually discovered for the first time. Share something tactile, something I can hold. Is that, uh, yeah, what have we got? Oh, oh, and it's in a plate. Okay. Okay. So uh, why don't you describe what these look like and then uh, try it and I'll tell you what they are. Okay, I'll pick one up. Okay, Uh, it feels a little kind of paste. It's like a little turnover 
Uh, from a distance, it would look like a, a Jamaican patty. So can I bite into this now? Or? Yeah, please do. Are, are they all the same flavor or there's four of them here? Yes. So this comes from the Busy Bee Bakery on uh, Pigeon Lake Road, okay. uh, County Road 17. And it's uh, another uh, lovely little bakery run by Old Order Mennonites, of whom oh. there are quite a few in our area. Right? Aren't mm. they delicious? They're mini pies. Mini pies. I know, right? They're, I asked her exactly what they were. And they're um, pie crust with, a, this is raspberry filling inside, deep fried, and then uh, dipped in a glaze like you'd glaze a donut. They are so good. And they're small enough that you can have one or two. And uh, it's kind of like the same as one piece of pie. So that's the Busy Bee Bakery on County Road 17 that I never knew existed. And you put four of them on the plate just to talk to me. All right, well, if there's any flakes on the ground, rags, I think I got a treat here for you too. <laughs> this is great, Nancy. <laughs> Look for Nancy Payne's staycation article in the August issue of the Lindsay Advocate. Okay, I can't be the only person who literally danced outside during that heavy rain on the weekend. It was long overdue and... Well, it gets us closer to lifting those water restrictions. But we should always be water conscious, of course. You know, rain barrels, shorter showers, don't water your driveway. It's not going to grow. Or, uh, you know, if you're cleaning it, well, a broom will take care of that. And Julia Taylor, a longtime environmentalist, former member of the city's Environmental Advisory Committee and owner of eco-friendly store The Country Cupboard in Fenland Falls, offers this advice. Let the grass go yellow. Don't water your grass. I mean, it, it's going to die. It's going to come back. It just doesn't matter. Uh, save your water for, you know, the good stuff. Rain barrels are, you know, if you have one or two or even three, um, you know, that'll take care of any gardens that you have. And we have a, a great uh, sensor cap for hand washing. All right, so it's like a, a motion sensor that the water turns on and off based on where your hand is placed near the uh, yeah. the faucet. Yeah, so if you just stick it in and then take it out, like, it, you know, while you brush your teeth and all that, it just uh, it cuts off that little bit of extra water that you're using in between things like that. The Advocate is 100% local independent media. You are listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. Brought to you by Ward's Lawyers. For all your legal needs, they've got you covered. Find out more at wardlegal.ca. Roderick Benz is owner and publisher of The Advocate, and, and now he's also the new president of the Lindsay and District Chamber of Commerce. I met with Roderick under the band shell in Victoria Park to talk about this new gig and about assuming it during a time when many would have taken a pass. Honestly, I think it's, it's the ideal time, if you're a business, to be a part of the chamber because everybody needs to be part of a community. And I think we need to be part of a community more than ever at this time. We, we can't have lone wolves uh, out there as, as businesses. It's just not, the business climate isn't conducive for that. And it isn't usually, but during a pandemic, I think more than ever, we need to band together, and that's what the Chamber's all about. You're, you're part of a community. I remember Lisa Miller, the owner of the Cat and Fiddle, talking about how, you know, there was never really animosity between her and other restaurants. It was cordial, but she found that throughout all of this that there was more of a, a cohesion in it. Absolutely, and I think that's part of um, uh, the advantage of being a small town, too. Being in a small town is that uh, there are stories like Lisa's in all our sectors, people looking out for each other, one another, sharing their skill sets, sharing their physical space, and, and whatever assets they have to help each other get through this. 
it wasn't a snap decision. Take, take me to that moment when you were sitting down reflecting on it, thinking, and probably drawing a list of two columns, pros and cons. What was that like? I didn't draw that list, actually. Um, I had been serving on the chamber board prior to that, uh, on the board of directors, and uh, a number of people had left. And I was the next natural person to take over. And, and well, I, you could I, have said no. I could have said no. I just didn't want to say no, um, because I think it's... I think it's an amazing organization. When I, when I think about all the, the chamber benefits um, that we've experienced as, as a business with the Lindsay Advocate, we're seeing a surge in membership of people contacting us. We have over 330 members now, and uh, there's a lot of chamber benefits from member referrals, um, opportunities to highlight your business. A lot of people don't realize the chamber staff will, will work with small businesses to help them set up their social media pages, which everyone should have today. And uh, it's only 215 bucks a year. Uh, the people are seeking us out now, which I think is fantastic. Did you find they're seeking you out more like so even in the last four months or so? More so. More so. That's what our executive director, Colleen Collins, is reporting. Yeah. We uh, serve at the Lindsay Chamber of Commerce. We serve uh, quite a large area. It's Lindsay and District, all the way south to the whole south, southern portion of Kortha Lakes, uh, Omimi and Oakwood. So it's a large group that was already used to working together. You were living away from Kawartha Lakes for a number of years, and now you've been back for, what, two or three years, I guess? About two and a half years. Two and a half years, okay. How does that shape the lens with which you view the business community that essentially you're going to be, you're going to be serving? Well, it is a, an interesting perspective. I'll look around and notice businesses that are gone from when I was here. Uh, What's it like when my, you see that? In my 20-plus year absence. Um, it, it just shows that change is inevitable and things continue to move and move move forward. I mean, since I've been here in the last two and a half years, there have been businesses that are no longer with us. So change is inevitable, and it's interesting to um, to see the shape of a community after you've been gone that long and come back. I've, of course, kept in touch. I still have family here, so I had a general idea of what was happening in Lindsay and area. How does that position you, though, differently versus the person who maybe grew up here and never left here? was part of maybe even the business community. I'm just wondering what, what you might be able to bring given that you have been away for a while. Well, I guess it makes me kind of a hometown boy, but also someone who went away for a while and is able to look at it from an outsider as well. So having that outsider lens, I think, is valuable to, uh, to see what can be done. What can I, be done? I, Give me an example of what you maybe have seen looking from, uh, from someone who's been on the outside for a little while. Well... It might be a little bit early to, uh, to say so, but I think there are opportunities for more uh, professional networking here in our area, for instance. We have a B2B group that's just sort of getting off the ground. Uh, What's a B2B group? Business-to-business uh, business networking. So You are talking like you're in there. <laughs> so we, we're, we're really trying to professionalize the chamber, have, have assets available um, both service-wise and, and otherwise to, to connect people, to give them the training they need, to give them the opportunities to connect with one another, to experience referrals, all those sorts of things that larger chambers like Peterborough does effectively. We should be able to do that here. If I were to walk up and down this street, Roderick, uh, and walked into any of these businesses, what would you like the owners to say about you in the perfect world? I hope they would know me uh, from, my, from my role as publisher, The Advocate, that even in that role, we see ourselves as community builders, and that means our small businesses are our number one partner, along with our nonprofits. Uh, those community groups and our small businesses, this town 
wouldn't be the same without them. But what so, would you like them to say about you if I were to say, hey, what do you think of Roderick Vance as president? Yeah, it's not really about me, but um, I would hope they would see me as uh, a fair and and uh, person who's a fair person who's concerned with inequality in, in Lindsay and in Kawartha Lakes, someone who um, is here for the good of the town and who uh, is genuinely interested in, in what they have going on and, and their families and their their businesses and 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 how I want them to succeed. Hi, I'm Jamie Morris with the Advocate Magazine. For my next friends and neighbors column, I talked to Matthew Hutchinson, an Omimi native with what I'd ordinarily consider a dream job. He's a firework specialist. As you'd imagine, commissions fizzled during the pandemic, and sadly his backup gig as balloon artist for children's birthday parties was a bust as well. Matthew's completely undaunted, though. In the column, you'll find out how he got his start, how he acquired his skills, and how he's adapting to a new normal. That's in the August issue of The Advocate magazine, available at Joyce's Place in Lindsay Square Mall and Foodland in Bob Cajun. Episode 11 of the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. That's what you're listening to now on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or maybe via lindsayadvocate.ca, courtesy of Ward's Lawyers, our official sponsor. Find them at wardlegal.ca. The first time I became aware of Cassie Noble was via a short feature article in the Advocate magazine last fall when she'd just released her album Madness. Honestly, I, I thought it was nice that a local singer-songwriter was being profiled. It's always good to celebrate our neighbors. And then, then I, uh, I sought out her music. I listened to it closely. Yeah, she's from around here, but that really is just an asterisk, I concluded. This is not just a strummer for the nearby coffee shop. I'm going to let her music and her words prove that. I met with Cassie Noble in her backyard in Cameron, chipmunks everywhere adding to the ethereal feel of the whole place where refreshingly she told me unlike many musicians she has no problem labeling her music so here's my conversation with indie folk pop singer-songwriter cassie noble I used to be one of those people that said, you know, I don't like labels. I don't want to label it. It's just my music, man. Um, but that, that's just not acceptable of it, like as an answer for people, particularly radio stations, um, blogs. You know, people want to know what they're getting into. And I used to say things like, you know, rock, something very vague. And, and they're like, oh, like ACDC? No, definitely not like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I just came to this place where I said I need to figure out what this sound is. What was that like coming to that uh, to that decision that this is who I am? This is the kind of music I perform. It was it was really weird um, because pop in itself is not something I ever considered myself to be. Um, and there are certain connotations with, with absolutely, pop. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Uh, so when I was sort of diving into this world of genres and what they mean, you know, this is the one that I, I kept coming back to. And I was, 
I, I was wary of it. Um, but there have been a few times when I've said I play indie folk pop and someone says, oh, I know exactly what that means. And they maybe name some other artists who I actually could compare myself to. So it, it, it works. It works for me. You're obviously an artistic person, but what drew you to music specifically versus all the other art forms? I know you're, you're, you're an artist, obviously, a visual artist, a tattoo artist. What was it about music? Wow, these are, th th that is an existential question. What drew okay. me to music? Um, and here I was thinking it was a very generic very question. Very generic, well, because I really, I really don't know. I've just always felt it. I've just always, you know, when I was a, a small child, I was singing and, and that's what I wanted in this house to do yeah yeah um and i don't know i guess my my grandpa used to sing around the house all the time i was just sort of around it and it just again it just sort of felt right i don't have words for it a lot of singer songwriters uh, i find that they seem to have nailed one of the required elements you know and they have to work at the other how do you ensure all of those elements are in lockstep with each other for you when you're creating music Oh, wow. I think singing comes the most naturally. Um, so I guess like the, the songwriting aspect when it comes to guitar, the actual instrumentation, that's the, the most challenging for me. Uh, the one that I have to think about more for sure. Just doing it a lot, honestly. Um, you know, I've been singing forever and I've been playing guitar for quite a long time. Um, I've been in a band and I've played solo and it's, it's just sort of trial and error, you know, and, and just keep, keep learning. The fire's still burning on the coals inside. Gotta keep it going. You're very upfront too about your Cameron roots. We were fighting off chipmunks. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm part in the country, the highway isn't uh, far off, but yeah. how does that kind of blend all into your, to who you are as a musician? That's, that's a tough question for me to answer too, but like, yeah, nature, nature, I'm just close to nature and I always have been, as I told you earlier, I grew up here. Um, so I think that that always comes through in my lyrics. I'm always comparing things to trees and plants and stuff. Um, but there is still that mix of, you know, I'm not totally way back in the forest. Still sort of, I don't know if grounded is the word, but grounded in like uh, society still. How, how important is it to, to be able to walk that line between those two worlds? Ooh, less and less important. I, I, I am all for moving even more into nature and away from people as much as I love people. Um, you know, I love these chipmunks that are scurrying up our legs, and yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to be closer and closer to that, to be honest. You don't really know why, but you want to justify ripping someone's head off. No human contact, because if you interact, your life is on contract, you best bet. It's almost like I've heard two Cassie Nobles, you know, you got the thoughtful, reflective stuff. And then uh, I listened to that solo cover of the Limp Biscuit song, uh, Break Stuff, <laughs> and there's almost a more angry Cassie, but it's compelling. Can you tell me a little bit about that perceived contrast in those two Cassie Nobles? Yeah, that's super interesting. Well, 
I am a Gemini, so I guess that makes sense that I would have this, you know. I yeah, I was always I've always been a little angsty, so it's funny that you you brought that up with <laughs> the Limp Bizkit cover. I oh, I just loved that song growing up more than anything. It was more of a nostalgia thing. I don't think I have that angst in me as much now. Um but it comes out sometimes, so it, it felt right. <laughs> so why go that cathartic route? What was it when you say it felt right? Why did you feel the need to, to do it? I don't know. Maybe because I do so much, uh, you know, emotional stuff, and and I am just a very emotional person. Um, so it it does feel good to just sort of go the other direction sometimes. Of all the songs you have, which one still excites you? Still gets your mojo, going. Tough question. Honestly, they're all still pretty fresh for me, and so I'm still like really excited about all of them. But I think I think Madness is is one that I it's really like gets me jazzed up. <laughs> Why? What is it about it that gets you jazzed up? It just it just takes me into a really emotional place i shouldn't really say jazzed up because that's not <laughs> necessarily the emotion <laughs> that's being felt melancholy um well madness to be honest and mm. that's that's the best way that i could describe it mm. um and i love that i love you know finding the beauty in madness that's part of my biography and stuff because it's just something that really resonates with me um, and it's just sort of about messy emotions, which is something that I feel a lot, you know, there's just this mess of things that, that don't necessarily make sense, emotions that sort of contradict one another. Um, and that's like my whole life. I feel that I've felt this contradiction of, of, of things. So madness just sort of dives into that. Um, and I think just the way that I sing it, I really just put my all into it. I just put all of that emotion into the vocalizations. Yeah. So, yeah. You're getting a little choked up. <laughs> a little. You're loud. <laughs> very real pain in my chest. Won't let my body rest. A very real feeling. Every time I try to find myself, I find somebody else. Every love I've ever felt has been a mess. Constantly questioning my heart, cause it will get out of hand. But where's the fun? It all goes the way planned I can't pretend I don't want to feel it I can't pretend I don't want to feel it I need to
Cassie Noble with the title track from her album Madness. That is a great song and it has been stuck in my head ever since I bought the album. Now you can find it on Spotify, but you know what? It's always nice to support an artist and a neighbor. So buy the CD or like I did, the vinyl album. It's it's gorgeous. Find Cassie Noble on Instagram and at CassieNoble.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter and at lindsayadvocate.ca, wardlegal.ca. That's where you'll find our official sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. Find out what Carissa and Jason Ward and their team can do for you. The music written and performed by Gerald Van Haltren. Good gravy. We've got some great musicians here in Kawartha Lakes, right? Right? The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, is produced by me, Denny Grignot. Find nine friends. Hang out. But uh, be sure to bring a measuring tape. We're back in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.